Hey, this is Dr. Eric, and I just want to let you know about my gut healing bundle for those with thyroid and autoimmune thyroid conditions. This includes SMT Probio, which is a probiotic with 18 well-researched strains, Enzymes Plus, which not only includes digestive enzymes, but betaine, HCL, and ox bile, and SMT GI Restore, which is a stevia-free formulation that has multiple nutrients and herbs that have been proven to help support the healing of the gut. To learn more about this, you can visit guthealingbundle.com. Hey, this is Dr. Eric. And in this Q&A episode, I am going to answer the question, does dairy need to be avoided in those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's? For this question, I'm going to refer to a blog post I wrote on the Natural Endocrine Solutions website in February of 2014 that was entitled, Should People with Graves' Disease and Hashimoto's Thyroiditis Avoid Dairy? And I'll make sure to include a link to this blog post in the show notes, which you can access by visiting SaveMyThyroid.com. Even though this blog post is nine years old as of the recording of this episode, the information is still relevant, although I will expand on it and give an updated perspective. Okay, so I'm looking at the blog post. I start out by just mentioning that with autoimmune conditions such as Graves and Hashimoto's, there's a lot of emphasis on avoiding gluten, but then go on and talk about dairy and that a lot of people think of dairy as being healthy. And I mentioned that there are certain health benefits when it comes to dairy, but it could also have or potentially have a negative consequence on your health. And I mentioned when I was younger how I drank plenty of cow's milk, and many people perceive cow's milk as being healthy, and go on to point out that drinking cow's milk is very healthy for baby cows, but not necessarily healthy for humans, which is true. We don't need cow's milk, and it's obviously cow's milk is not meant for humans, but more and more people are realizing this, and a lot of people are substituting cow's milk with different types of milk, non-dairy milk, such as almond milk, coconut milk, oat milk, some people soy milk. And yeah, I could talk more about the non-dairy milks shortly, but here I then talk about four reasons why it is important to avoid drinking conventional cow's milk. One reason is the hormones. And it's not just about growth hormone. Of course, most people know that you could go and purchase organic milk or even non-organic milk that doesn't have growth hormones, but there's also the estrogens, which potentially could stimulate the growth of hormone-sensitive tumors. In most cases, it's probably not going to do that, but there's that possibility. And just because a dairy product is free of growth hormones does not mean it's free of the estrogens. In fact, it probably isn't. Just Something to keep in mind. So reason number one, the hormones. Reason number two, why you should avoid conventional milk or conventional dairy, not just milk, but conventional dairy is the pasteurization process, which was developed by Louis Pasteur in 1864 and involves heating the milk to a specific temperature in order to kill harmful bacteria. The problem with this is that it decreases many of the nutrients, including vitamin B1, B2, folate, B12, vitamin C, vitamin E. And then I also mentioned how the pasteurization process will modify the proteins of dairy and can potentially lead to a greater increase in food allergies, although there is some controversy over this. And then when I mentioned that organic milk can still have estrogens from the cow, and some might ask if the pasteurization process will inactivate these hormones, but I found a study that showed that both organic and conventional dairy products do not have substantially different concentrations of estrogen. So the answer to that is no, pasteurization does not 
deactivate the estrogens. So reason number three why someone should avoid dairy is the homogenization process. And the process of homogenization helps to give milk its white color and smooth texture and also might help with the digestibility of milk. And then I brought up a review article that was written on homogenization and the potential link between cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and allergy, how it changes the physical structure of milk fat. And because of this might alter the health properties of milk and might lead to an increased risk of cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes. But again, this is definitely controversial. And so reason number four, the mTOR pathway. So there's what's called the mammalian TOR complex one or mTOR. And it seems that the signaling pathway plays a big role in the development and progression of different conditions, including acne, obesity, type 2 diabetes, and cancer. And dairy products and meat stimulate insulin and insulin-like growth factor one signaling and provide high amounts of leucine. And this in turn causes the activation of mTOR. And then I asked a question, does this mean that drinking commercial milk will always lead to conditions such as obesity, type 2 diabetes, or cancer? And of course, the answer to this is no, but it could be at the very least a contributing factor. And then I also talk about the insulin index of dairy. You know, like many people are aware of the glycemic index and that milk has a low glycemic index but cow's milk, along with other types of dairy, has a high insulin index, which means that it causes a high insulin response. And then does drinking milk from a goat or sheep have this? And there hasn't been as much research on these types of milk, although from what I put down, it appears that the insulin index is similar to cow's milk. So those are four reasons to avoid dairy. And one thing I didn't get into really is just the sensitivity. Like This could be tied to some of the things I mentioned here, but a lot of people have dairy sensitivity. Some people have IgG allergies to dairy, but they also more commonly are, are the sensitivities to dairy, more IgG, I guess you could say. Or then there's also, the, I've been speaking about MRT, mediator release testing. So if you're actually doing food sensitivity testing, you could actually see what it shows. Again, questions about the accuracy, especially with some IgG tests. But like I said, I've spoken a little bit about mediator release testing as well and had other guests talk about that. So I won't get into that now. I, you know, I will say most of the time I'm recommending an elimination diet where the person is avoiding dairy initially, along with gluten and, and other things too. But if someone absolutely wants to see if they're reacting to dairy, then they could do some type of food sensitivity test. Again, there are limitations. They're not perfect tests, but that's something else just to consider. And in the blog post, I also mentioned the problem with cow's milk. Another problem is beta casein A1. So many are familiar with A1, A2 milk. And I mentioned how cow's milk consists of both casein and whey protein. And cow's milk consists of approximately 80% casein. And I mentioned how many people are lactose intolerant, which includes myself, but some people are sensitive to casein and only a small percentage of people have a casein allergy. And I also mentioned that in addition to milk, other dairy proteins include casein such as yogurt and cheese, and that there are different types of casein in dairy cows. And the most common form of beta casein in dairy cattle breeds are A1 and A2. And it's thought that beta casein variant A1 yields the bioactive peptide beta casomorphin 7 or BCM7, which may play a role in the development of certain human diseases such as diabetes mellitus and ischemic heart disease, and also might play a role in sudden infant death syndrome as well. 
And so really the BCM7, which is found in A1 milk or A1 dairy can lead to development of numerous chronic health conditions. And so that's why a lot of health food stores now, and maybe even regular stores have A2 milk. So that's an option to consider if you are going to consume dairy, but still it's not just about the A1, A2. So I would still recommend to really avoid milk regardless. And you know, I mentioned before how milk from a goat or sheep probably has a high insulin index as well. However, they apparently don't have BCM7. And this is at least one reason why many people do better when drinking these types of milk. And then speaking of other types of milk, I mentioned raw milk. Is it okay to drink raw milk? And I spoke about how there's no question that drinking raw milk is a healthier option when compared to commercialized milk. There is concerns with the safety, and I'm not going to get into detail here about the safety of raw milk, but I did bring up an article from Chris Kresser, Raw Milk Reality is Raw Milk Dangerous. Now, this blog post that I wrote is from 2014. So, of course, the one from Chris Kresser on Raw Milk Reality is a little bit older than that, too, but still relevant information and pretty interesting. And so, as I mentioned here, although there are health benefits of drinking raw milk, when I recommend for my patients to initially follow, when they're taking a natural treatment approach, I usually will advise them to avoid all dairy. And then in the future, it really is up to the person. So I, you know, I've been in remission from my grave disease condition since 2009. And when I eat pizza, for example, I usually will eat gluten-free pizza, but I can't say it's dairy-free pizza. I'm not a big fan of the non-dairy cheeses out there. And so I usually will have my mozzarella cheese on the pizza. So I've introduce dairy. I mean, sometimes I'll have ice cream, but I'm not a huge ice cream person. And there are, I think, pretty good substitutes like coconut ice cream and almond ice cream and oat ice cream. And same thing with the milks. There's almond milk, coconut milk, oat milk. I'm not a huge fan of drinking those milks, but some people do want to drink some type of milk or I'm a smoothie person. I like to make smoothies. I usually just add water to the smoothies. But again, some People would want to add coconut milk or almond milk. So those are options other than dairy. I would usually say to avoid soy milk, like soy milk, soy yogurt. Try to stay away from those. Speaking of yogurts, there's coconut yogurt too, which I actually do like coconut yogurt. I'm not a huge yogurt person, but I do like coconut milk or coconut yogurt, sometimes not coconut milk. I actually tried making my own coconut milk once a number of years ago. It didn't come out really well. So I haven't tried again. But my wife makes some coconut yogurt, and that actually tastes pretty good. And then in the blog post, I also talk about other types of dairy. So again, like the cheese, the yogurt. But ideally, again, you should avoid all those forms. The one controversy is butter, especially clarified butter or ghee. So just regular butter, lower in casein, lower in the dairy proteins. But still, I usually recommend avoiding it. Ghee... For years, I've recommended to avoid ghee, and I still kind of do, but I've interviewed a few people who also recommend to avoid dairy, for example, autoimmune paleo or AIP diet, and they're more flexible with the ghee. They've seen people do okay with the ghee, so that might be okay for the majority of people. I'm still a little bit cautious with the ghee. And then another concern is not getting enough calcium. Without question, dairy is, it is a good source of calcium and it's a primary source of calcium for many people. However, there are other foods which are high in calcium. So kale is high in calcium. 
So we like eating steamed kale, Chinese cabbage, collard greens are really good, broccoli, I mentioned almonds and blackstrap, molasses. What I didn't mention here in this uh, blog post, certain fish with the bones. So if you like eating sardines, for example, and a podcast I did in the past with Kevin Ellis, also known as the Bone Coach. So he spoke about improving bone density and he covered non-dairy sources of calcium. And so, yeah, you don't have to consume dairy to have sufficient calcium and to have healthy bones. And again, if there's any questions, should definitely check out that podcast I did with Kevin. And then I just end the blog post with a summary and just say, in summary, there's a lot of controversy over whether dairy should be consumed in people with conditions such as Graves and Hashimoto's. And since many people are sensitive to dairy, I do recommend for all my patients to initially avoid dairy. But this doesn't mean that everyone should avoid dairy on a permanent basis. And I also go on to say that raw dairy is definitely preferable to commercial dairy. And however, there are different types of casein and many people react to beta casein A1, yet do find when consuming dairy, which has beta casein A2. So that is my response to the question, does dairy need to be avoided in those with Graves' and Hashimoto's? I do recommend for my patients with Graves and Hashimoto's to at least initially avoid dairy while restoring their health. And then in the future, it's up to them. As I mentioned, I eventually reintroduced dairy and many of the people I work with eventually reintroduce dairy as well. But there are some people who feel so good and they don't want to take the chance that they not only permanently avoid gluten, but also permanently avoid dairy. But if you haven't avoided dairy at all, I wouldn't worry about the reintroduction right now. I would just say, go ahead and try eliminating dairy. For some people, it's not easy. Other people, it's not a big deal. But I would say, go for it. And as usual, I hope you found this Q&A episode to be valuable. And I look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.